You're listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles, a podcast that supports parents of children with disabilities by sharing the stories of individuals who have grown up with disabilities and the organizations available to help parents along the way. Stay connected with us by clicking the subscribe button and leave us a comment if you want to join in on the conversation. Do you know an autism definition or have you ever wondered about autism and Rain Man? In today's episode, Justin Husek talks with Tonya about how autism has impacted his life and how he mentors others who have autism through his business, ASD With Me. Justin shares some good points on autism for parents. Let's join Tonya as she interviews Justin. Today on Water Prairie, we have Justin Husek. I wanted to contact Justin after seeing that he was an ambassador for the Invisible Disabilities Association and his bio caught my attention. I thought that our listeners would enjoy hearing his story and what he's doing now to help support the autism community. So Justin, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. My name's Justin Husek. I've been basically, I was born in Illinois in DuPage County. I've been, uh, been living in Northern Illinois all of my life, a total of 56 years. Uh, and right now I'm currently uh, serving the people on the autism spectrum as an advocate, consultant, life coach, uh, et cetera, et cetera. That's being in a nutshell right now. Our main topic today that we'll be talking about is autism. And it's a pretty broad topic, but I know for me coming in, even though I've had experiences with different people and for a lot of children that I've worked with when I was teaching and tutoring, I don't, I could not tell you a definition of autism. Can you give us kind of a general explanation of what autism is? I think the, the constant thing uh, that we see with, with those, or especially like even with me on the spectrum is, is how we communicate uh, the, or the lack of it. And basically our need for, uh, they say repetitive behaviors, but if you break that into a, a whole life, it becomes routine and structure. So to me, autism, that's the main differences and that's the main headers you see when you see autism is how we communicate, our lack of it, um, and then are we able to like, keep friends? Or how do we inter- interact with the rest of society? And it, it, it does come down to communication and then our just our necessity and need for either structure, routine, or these repetitive behaviors that make us feel comfortable. So the so the behaviors are more of a comfort issue. Uh, well, yeah, <laughs> comfort. Yeah, I guess when you look at, if I know what I'm doing every day, I feel good. If I don't know what I'm doing every day, you know, kind of life's up for grabs. Now some can live with that, but I, I can't. Um, I like to schedule in my life. I live by a day planner. If I don't write it down, I don't do it. I can think about something. Like um, if you say, hey, can you do this? And I don't write it down, I'll do it, but who knows when. But if I write it down, I'll do it the day of, you know, or I'll make sure that it gets done quickly. Is that more of a, um, like a more structured environment is a more secure environment? Is that what you're saying? Correct, Correct. yes. There is no guessing. Um, We're known to either have no fear or like a a great sense of fear in some cases. And, 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 And we're known, Fear of the unknown. Okay, I know everybody has it, but I think when we have it, uh, it's much more intense. Um, if we're wired differently, then the way that our brain is is communicating is sometimes more intense, and or sometimes it's lacking that connection. So fear can either be, I really don't have any fears, but I have anxieties under certain circumstances. I don't have a fear of heights, but if I go near the glass at the Sears Tower. I get real uneasy feeling, but I don't have a fear of heights. Okay. So it is 
you know, pardon me when I sometimes go off and I can't catch myself in my train of thought, but um, yeah, that's just the way we are. And, and so once you have structure, once you have planning, where's the fear? I know what I got to do every day. It's written down. There's, there's okay. nothing questionable. No gray matter. We're black and white. Okay. We're black and white. Okay. That's the funny thing is people on the spectrum, the broad color of the spectrum, we like life black and white. So, a, so a more literal mindset. Oh, totally. Okay. Yes. Very much okay. literal. And that's, you know, in some cases, that's how I grew, grew up was knowing that practice makes perfect. And then when I was 13 or 14, I realized practice doesn't make perfect. So, you know, I, I'm sure we'll get into that a little bit more on how that affected me. But yes, the literalness. Okay. Yeah. And, and again, to, to, to any structure, there is literalness. There's no guessing. It is measurement six inches, length, you know, this, that. There's no, there's no in between. It's not, it, it's not gray. It's black and white. Okay. So, so using terms like about or roughly, those are harder terms than to say exact specifications. Uh, you know, I grew up, here's the thing. If you, if you grow up and you want to learn how to do math, you have to learn how to guesstimate. Yes, you do. <laughs> you, so you don't have to be exact. So I learned how to be real exact. And then when I needed that guesstimate, I learned how to guesstimate excellently, you know, okay. very well and be very close. Um, I had a job, uh, as an estimator and in training, they were throwing out figures and they, I would answer before the calculator would answer. Now it wasn't rain man where you do 3,152 times 212, but it was quick enough where they looked back over at me and said, well, how'd you do that? And I guesstimated. So, you know, I can, right. it's, yeah, there is a literalness to our life, a definition, a structure to it. Um, we have a harder time changing direction. If we're supposed to go from point A to point B and you throw something in between a speed bump, we have a harder time changing. We have a harder time coming back to reality. Okay. So later okay. in our conversation, we're going to talk about some tips for parents and for kids. Let's, let's keep that in mind. Some of those yeah. tips that we're talking about now, when we exactly. put them all together again at the end, cause I, cause I think this is good information and it's, and some of it I've kind of known, but it helps to hear you saying it this way. Because like I said, I've worked more with children and they can't tell me that. You kind of see the behavior, but you don't know, are you doing the right thing? Are you assuming the right thing? Right. Because what on the proof in the pudding in some cases where you're still mixing up the pudding. Okay. Right? right. You're still trying to make the pudding and create it so that it's perfect. And that's what you'll find with, with me. I learned when I was younger, I learned that in order to understand people, I had to start speaking metaphorically. And if I spoke metaphorically and they said, exactly, I'm like, then I get the idea. I understand what's going on. So okay, um, okay, okay. Good. That's 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 good information. All right. So related yeah. to that is, um, and I I know I asked you about this before, but I want to ask this for our our listeners to hear. I've I've heard similar descriptions between descriptions of autism and descriptions of ADHD. Can you clarify? In and I know you you aren't a scientist coming in. You're not a doctor coming in, but. In, in your understanding of it, can you give me a good idea of how I could distinguish between the two? Yeah, actually, you know, it's funny because I know autism, but I don't necessarily know ADHD. So, but the thing is, I did like what anyone else would do. I went and Googled it, okay? And I found out what the first visual things that came up. So if I go and Google, and I'll just quickly read it right off the thing here, attention deficit disorder, uh, impulsiveness, disorganization, and problems prioritizing, poor time management, problems focusing on tasks, trouble multitasking, excessive activity or lessness. You know, there's six, seven, eight more. I don't have some of these things. 
Some of them I do. So, you know, I've got great planning. A uh, little frustration? No, I'm fine. Hot tempered? Used to have a hot temper, et cetera, et cetera. When I start to read signs and symptoms of autism right off the bat, delayed, delayed language skills, delayed movement skills, delayed cognitive. Now, maybe these could have been delayed because the kid had ADHD and wasn't learn right? Couldn't right. focus enough, right? So you then you have hyperactive, impulsive. Now, that kind of runs hand in hand with ADHD. But then there's lack of fear or more fear than expected, anxiety, stress, or excessive worry. See, so right, and that's not even with, I said, the lack of communication skills. Does a person with ADHD communicate poorly? So the communication might probably is a big to, piece. They might not be able to stay that long in a conversation, but that doesn't mean they can't say, hey, listen, I'm going to 7-Eleven to get myself a Slurpee and, and, it's, and keep carrying on. So there to me is... There's there's big differences. I didn't see anything about repetitive behavior on the list for attention deficit, right? Okay. I'm repetitive behavior. I need my routine. So again, I don't. I'm I'm not a doctor, and in my opinions that I'm going to be stating here, opinions, suggestions, recommendations are all based off my own experiences, but they're also based off an experience experiences that in which a brain that has done a lot of observing and sees how things have turned out over the years and how my experiences have done certain things. And now how I, when I mentor others, how I'm able to take those experiences and then apply them to what I'm doing and see the results there as well. So when you ask between ADHD and ASD, you can see when I started quickly, there was a total difference in what I read off. There was some similarities. Now I could have parts of ADHD. There's no doubt I could have some of that. Um, but, you know, as an older person right now, I'm not as impulsive. I'm not disorganized. I don't have poor time management skills. You know, I don't have problems focusing on text. But I do seem to, after about an hour and a half's worth of work, I do seem to need to get up and move around and do something different mm -hmm. and then come back and do that again. So I do, my ADHD maybe carries on for an hour and a half and then the mind goes away for a while. Right. Okay, that, that that is helpful. And looking at it that way, I think was 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 good because the broader definitions were a good comparison of each other. So right. So thank yeah. you. The now ASD is autism spectrum disorder. Disorder. Okay. So the, the D is disorder. And I know the names have changed some through the years. So I, I want to make, make make sure that I'm using today's terms as we're talking about this. And when I was going through college so it's been been a few few years since, since then um right. we would hear about autism we would hear about asperger's today i'm not hearing about asperger's as much so is there a difference between it or is there another name for it now or how how are we referring to it and what do they mean well well okay so in 2022 2021 here we have to realize that i i, I kind of don't i do care about labeling and i don't care about labeling i will admit that I am on the autism spectrum, okay? Um, and that the part of the spectrum I am on is towards, excuse me, the more higher end or the, the end that doesn't need quite as much support, okay? And, and at that end, sometimes it's referred to as high-functioning autism, okay. or it can be referred to as more precisely, maybe sometimes as Asperger's. I don't remember if there's a difference between the two. There might be my new, but... Asperger's was named after a doctor, I believe, and, it, it, and I can't remember his exact definition. So <laughs> autism now has become a giant, a, an umbrella. And you have those that can that need a lot of support to function and live. 
and then you have those that don't. I'm one of those that doesn't. You know, if I wanted to use a comparison right now of like the Rain Man comparison, we're both on the spectrum. Rain Man over here, he is only connected, the way I like to use it, is being connected to society or the ability to communicate or interact um, to, you know, a percentage-wise. And I've always said maybe 10 to 15%. He could do certain things, but the, he couldn't do other things. He couldn't live alone. He couldn't do, have a job. He couldn't drive a car. He didn't know how to use the toaster oven, okay? I can do all those things. I can go to work, et cetera, et cetera. So if I place Raymond over here on the spectrum, he's on the lower end of the spectrum where I believe his connection is 12 to 15% to society. If we come over to here, where it's supposed to be Asperger's, we don't look at, but we're still, when we go home at the end of the day, we're still disconnected. I look at myself as being about 92% connected and the other five to 10 or whatever, I'm not connected. Um, okay. It can mean things I say, uh, things I do, uh, I can get along, I can live alone, I can drive, et cetera, et cetera, but uh, there's still parts of me that, 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 that my personality and or being on the spectrum is, has held me back for some reason. And, and it did, especially when it came to working as a handyman, uh, the way I marketed myself. Uh, I walk into the office in just total painted clothes when I should have walked in more formally. I didn't advertise as enough because I didn't conform to what business was supposed to be like. So. Okay. That, to, to kind of describe it to you quickly, hopefully quickly enough, the Rain Man to me description, how we're connected to society and our abilities, that's the broad end of the spectrum. Autism's all of it, Asperger's and or high functioning's way over here and what we need minimal levels of support. But I still, from the age of 20 to 50, could you could have used support through the system, something we are definitely lacking at this day and age. Right. And and you're referring to that because that's during the time that before you were diagnosed. That is correct. correct. Yeah. Okay. I'm 56 now. I was diagnosed almost 10 years ago um, in 2013-ish. And uh, yeah, the whole time before, I had no clue why I uh, <laughs> felt the way I felt, why I did the things I did, why my, uh, you know, some people called me uncouth. Um, I, it just, I had no idea why. None, none whatsoever. And I, I, you know, it's not like I'm a horse patootie either. I'm a nice guy with a big heart. So it didn't make sense sometimes why people look at me like a curious dog and go, why'd you just say that? And that's the autism. I, I have the chutzpah at times to stand up and speak when others don't and say what others are thinking when others don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> Oops. And see how that can get you in trouble and then pull you out of society a little bit, right? Right. Hey, he's a little unique, a little weird. Maybe I don't want to be such a close friend. Maybe I don't want to be affiliated mm. in some ways. So that holds me back. Right. And there's that 8% I'm talking about that where I can do a bunch of things, but I can't, I can't run a business as a number one, but as a number two, I'd be fantastic. I'd, I'd be, because I'd make sure you didn't miss anything. Right. I could see as a child, especially, that socially that could be a bigger thing. Because as you're saying, if you say something that's not considered appropriate to the others the same age, there's there's different stages of life where that's more important to people than other stages of life. And um, I'm thinking yeah, mi middle right. school and high school. Yeah, you know, you're when, right. You know, I don't even think about how what, how what kind of a I could have been back then, but you're right. There could have been just two things I said in seventh or eighth grade that then took me on a path different than maybe I would have gone had I not said those things. Right. 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 Yeah. But, but you were probably just being honest and literal and what you were saying, you know, yes. that's, 
Exactly, exactly, exactly. If, if, if all of society would be as comfortable to say those things, maybe we'd all be happier, <laughs> you know, <laughs> well, we're not comparing well, each other know, listen, as much. I, we, I found that I'm a truth seeker, to tell you the truth. And so, so yeah, if you want to state that, and, you know, my, my name stands for being just and being fair. Okay. And then I'm thrown on the spectrum where we're known to be very truthful, right? We'll state our, our mind. Right. Um, that could be good in a society or in a group that could handle it, it would be very good. Mm -hmm. And we would all be able to handle each other because we'd all understand. Right. But yeah, it'd have its benefits, but then in some cases, maybe it wouldn't be that beneficial. <laughs> I don't know. No, I don't know if we want to try it. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> right? I think I think with age, I don't know about you, but I know for me, the older I get, the less it's important to me that I look good next to the person beside me. Yeah, you know, yeah, it, 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 it gets right, easier. It is. It is. It's less important. You find you learn to what your priorities truly are and what, what they should be and what they are. That's right. what you learn. Right. Yeah. Right. And, 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 and looks are made for appropriate times. Otherwise, you know, you don't need that hassle. Do something else that'll make you feel better yeah. than, than what you're wearing at the moment or something. Right. Right. right? So just to finish that, the description there that we have, um, so some of the things that I've seen is a level, like a level one, level two, level three. Is that, yeah. so that's the levels of the spectrum that they're referring to? Is Correct. That I believe that there are basically three levels of support that are needed. I would be like a level one where I needed minimal support to do some things. But, but like say if I was diagnosed out of high school and I was a level one, they would probably, and I'm not sure doctors could tell me differently or whatever, they would probably recommend uh, whatever, um, what recommended the IEP that would be needed in that case. Oh, we had just talked about the Asperger's or autism, but I did want to make sure that, that we mentioned the levels because some of the new parents being diagnosed now, they're going to hear levels and yeah. they may not understand what that means. Levels are going to mean how much support to me, it means how much support is needed for this individual. There'll be three levels of support that might be needed. As I was trying to explain maybe before that, Level one might be where this kid is able to function, gets gets great grades, but still can't do certain things. So maybe his support level is that he needs accommodations or he needs a counselor to help him get through the proper schooling to get to wherever he needs to be. That would right. be like kind of a little bit of level one support, okay? Okay. If you go back now, let's take the example of Rain Man. Let's imagine Rain Man in high school. He would be on the far end of level three. He would need a lot of support. Who's going to take him to school? He can't, he can't even get on the bus because he'll feel uncomfortable. Right. So I know I'm just going from level one to level three, but if I use those examples, you'll realize that um, that's kind of what is needed because as much as I know autism, I don't know everything about what's out there on how they describe autism. So the levels of support, I would have needed things. If I would have known, I would have been asking for things once I got out of high school and then once I got out of college to keep me in line to go where I need to go. I would ask for right. those accommodations. You know, a level two would need that, but he also might need to have someone in the school that's always making sure the paperwork's done on the on, all the time, right? But still able to do certain things, but still needs, can't, can't maybe submit certain things, can't, can only read to a certain, can only get to a certain point. That might be level two. And like I said, if you go back to level three, you have Rain Man where he can only do three or four things. No, he needs to be dressed. He needs to do this, do that. And then he has right. fits. You know, he gets, sorry, for like a term, fits. 
you know, if he doesn't get to do those things. So then his reactions, you know, you're throwing off his routine, his structure for the day. Right. So you see where even that, that, that psychological psychiatric support is needed where in essence, or you have to be, you're dealing with bigger problems in that case, because there's a greater dependency. So it really, what it is, is how much support you're needed. And, um, and in some cases as a client, how much support, I mean, how, yeah, how much support, basically how much support is needed to get you, you know, through the schooling or to get you to wherever you want to be at the, in the end, basically. Well, and I think, I think by giving us the example of, uh, a possible level three with Rain Man and a level one with you, how and then thinking of spectrum because you're looking at just right, a, a, right. a variety of numbers in between. Right. That that I for for me at least it seems to help me kind of picture why I see so many different types of presentations whenever right. I meet different people. So there's somewhere right. between those two extremes, wherever they end up across that sliding scale. But we can use like, you know, if we can use the thing too is let's imagine that Rain Man or my level of support would change if I was deaf. Right. Rain Man's level of support would change. He'd still be at probably the level three, but he, if he could speak, think of the, you need someone else to come in and be able to right. communicate for that person. So, and then imagine me, I might've been, if I was, if I was deaf, I might actually then have categories into a level two because yeah. I, I needed more support. So you can see how we're, the, and I can't break it down personally, but it, it is, it's levels of support and what's needed. And it basically, like I said, it's three levels. Number one being the least amount, number three being the most amount of support needed. Right. Oh, perfect. I, I appreciate you, you explaining that because that, that's the best I've ever heard it explained. So, okay. so at, at least, I don't, I don't know about our listeners, but for me, I feel like I have a better understanding now of, of what we're talking about too. Sure. And sure. Um, and it's and it, and it does seem to be a big unknown for a lot of people. So I, I'm hoping this is helping others to, even if they may understand it, you're giving some I think tools to be able to explain it themselves. Well, and you know, yeah. Well, if we use the example of when I was younger, I was in therapy at the age of eight. If if I would have known what I was going through, um, you know, I could have asked for accommodations for something like that. I could have. Um, it would have been easier to. What was I trying to? My point was trying to be was. If that would have changed then, then my, my level of support. Okay, if I if I would have, well, here's my point. If we would have known that I was on the spectrum, therapy at the age of eight would have been awesome level of support for me. If I know oh, now right. what could I've used would be better therapy. But back then, my counselor referred to me as a tough nut to crack. They didn't know what, you know, in 1974, what autism was really all about. It had only right. been out there from, since like 1940 some odd. And not really studied. I mean, autism still is in its infancy. Mm -hmm. It really is. It's in of, of determining what it's all about. Right. 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 Well, you 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 mentioned when you were eight. So let's let let's talk a little bit about your childhood. You weren't diagnosed as a child. So um, so did you have any difficulties in school? Mm -hmm. No, I had uh, I had no difficulties in school. I loved school, you know, K through four, my fourth grade teacher on the report card says loves challenges. Um, in fourth grade, I was, I was um, fourth grade, I was mentoring a second grader. I was able to get through enough work for school that I could go down the downstairs and mentor or tutor a second grader for a little bit. Um, and at the age of eight, I had memorized the, um, the entertainer from the sting that theme and I played it in front right. of our class so and then I love sports and I was you know in the community I was an awesome excellent kid in sports so there was really nothing 
nothing showing any signs, but, but if I go back and say, okay, well, wait a minute, you were, I was actually in therapy at the age of eight. Okay. I had gastrointestinal problems mm. to tell you the truth. My, I, at some point when I was growing up, I had stomach pains. My mom took me to the doctor and the doctor goes, have you been holding it in your, you know, you're holding it in your gas. And I go, yeah, he goes, don't. And, and he's like, why are you doing it? And I, you know, I remembered, I think my mom's saying, you know, guys don't do that around women. So I literally took it. That's part of the thing is I had gastrointestinal issues. Then I'm trying to hold off on these gastrointestinal issues. Why am I in therapy at the age of eight? Okay. Why am I in therapy? Well, what I haven't told you is that when I grew up is that I suffered physical abuse at the age of four years. I was four years old wow. and I suffered it through my father and I think it, it, it changed me in such a way. Now, it's if it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to describe this. If you look at the pictures before I was four, it doesn't look like I have autism. I can look at the camera. I've got eye contact, et cetera, et cetera. But after the age of four, things started to change. And why, why I'm eight years old, I'm in therapy. And I'm biting my nails at the age of eight. Okay, this is 1970. What am I worrying about? I'm not worrying about Ford being president. What's, what's, what's concerning Justin, especially right. when he's running fun? doing great in sports. What's concerning? Well, it was the abuse that had occurred to me when I was four. And by the time I was eight, it was catching up to me mentally, right? It was giving me signals and stuff like that. So, you know, when we talk about recognizing certain things, if we want to talk about recognizing in your child, if, and if you're not sure if the kid is on the spectrum, say it's through the age of four to 10, 12, look for excellences that are above the norm. Okay. Look for okay. excellences that of the norm even if the kid looks at the camera like i do did i was excellent i mean i was the best i had up into eighth grade i had the best penmanship around i could forge letters and notes uh, i won spelling bee championships I, I was excellent really my excellence occurred all the way up at the age of 13. so it didn't look like i was on the spectrum but if we go back to the age of eight the therapy why am i there okay what was i having gastrointestinal uh, issues and then i was biting my fingernails and then right around puberty, you know, right around eighth grade, I started getting feeling more, I started getting more fights and starting feeling more anger. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack. What you have is an excellent kid growing up, but all of a sudden he's got gastrointestinal issues because he took something literally. Um, he's um, biting his nails. What, an, what, what eight-year-old bites her nails in before? Okay. Um, so look for that, that actually that weird, there's a spectrum there of, excellences and then these weird insecurities this guy he doesn't fear it. he can excel at this there's no insecurity there but why is he feeling this way back here well for me it was like i said how i believe my my autism came along and i believe it's it's kind of trauma induced events can change the brain we know right. one thing events can change the brain matter if they really can did this event change my brain well i yeah, it, it had to have changed my brain because I became a different person. I became a different person. Would I still do the same things as I did if I wasn't on the spectrum? You know, I still have genes that say, you know, go ahead and do this, be, you know, be driven, be ambitious. But I, I couldn't answer that. But so if I wanted to point out a few things, if, you, if you're not sure with your child, look for excellences, look for the person taking on challenges, look at them actually being bored from all the things, all the challenges. Sometimes if they're bored, it means because nothing else is mentally good enough to satisfy them right now. So if you're looking for the hidden person on the spectrum, 
those excellences and then those little things that don't make sense that like show saying signs of anxiety because all of us underneath suffer from a bit of anxiety some to greater scales than others so that's how my childhood was you know it was it was fun it was great it was and that's why i told you before practice makes perfect i learned all the way up to about the age of 13 14. high school became a different place puberty became a different you know became a different situation for me and it's in high school where I think, you know, I started to make the mistakes from being on the spectrum, maybe said the wrong things, uh, didn't play politically, you know, in the sports arena and stuff and stuff like that. I had a bad attitude as a freshman. I led the team in push-ups because I swore the most and got, you know, and threw the bat the most. <laughs> so there's there's signs of my anger issues coming out or being there, right? Right. So I don't want to, I don't want to keep backtracking backtracking so i think what it is is when the kid has no worries in the world you'll see all the excellence is shining with some anxieties underneath that don't make sense that might be the person on the spectrum okay okay after that you see this person that was excellent yeah it's hard time to adjust but how much further down do they go and and how could they be so good and then they really kind of stink you know what i'm saying but where that showed to me in high school where i lost where that practice makes perfect and nobody's perfect comes on was that uh, we had to run around the lake in high school and you know for like long distance running and the first couple times we ran around the lake i came in second place only behind a soccer player and i didn't play soccer then the third fourth fifth time he saw me fall behind and the gym teacher even goes you know who's sick he goes, you're not even trying anymore you know, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I wasn't trying, I didn't care like I used to care. I didn't have the same drive. I knew how good I was. I knew how good I was, but I didn't keep pushing myself to be great. Part of that is because the one thing I haven't said is mom and dad, I never had, I didn't have a dad from the age of two years, you know, didn't have a dad. My mom and dad got divorced. So inside all that is not having two parents with direction. You know, my mom's grown up 1970-some-odd, working at Allstate, trying to make a living with two right. boys, one on the spectrum she doesn't know. So if you're a single parent, it's much more difficult. If you're, uh, if, if, if you're, if you're married, that's great. You get more support. If you're a single parent, then pull in uncle this or aunt that to make there a greater amount of support. Because if we're not supported, we will fail. Without our support, we don't necessarily know. We believe too much in ourselves and our convictions to necessarily believe that, okay, this is what I should do. Okay, I should, as a 19-year-old, I'm going to stop believing my dad, right? I got to stop believing mom and dad at some point. Well, I probably made the wrong decisions at that right. age, okay? So, so again, like, we, we, we may not remember all these tips when we get to the end, yes, but, but I think this exactly. is a good one here that, you know, I'm thinking even if you are a, a typical family unit with a mom and a dad and, you know, there for the support, re reach out and get some extra support coming in there too, because, right. because you're going to need it depending on how much support your child needs. If your child needs level right. three support, you're going right. to burn out if you're not getting support too, but, right. um, but reaching into that community, find out who's out there and, right. and bring them in to help you as well. Well, and here's the main thing. What I mean by support is, when you're in, it's all positive, it's all happy, it's all congratulating on the accomplishments, and it's all making sure that that person who's on the spectrum feels basically the same from every single one that's being supporting him, okay? That's, right. if you get that, I think there's a, 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 
you will get the, the person because you got to find our interests okay you've got to make us like you for some reason you got to make us trust you for some reason because we trust yeah. ourselves more than we trust you yeah okay we trust like everyone does but we really don't trust you uh, because we really <laughs> believe we're right we're so convicted at times uh, we have our convictions so um having that support and what i've always said is okay even if you don't have a certain brother or whatever supported at least whoever's doing it it's all positive you're not you don't pick on there is no more negativity it's all accomplishment based it's all driven to be accomplishment based successful happy productive i find no i find negativity is is is, is there's just no need for it and, and i learned that as i was doing i was a sidewalker for an equine uh therapy place i was sidewalking and i realized that the instructor was trying to tell the client what they're trying to tell the client and i made a comment and it was kind of too negative and she goes you know we don't talk negative around here and i go got it and i immediately learned there's no nots can'ts and nevers there's there isn't there's none of those words it's yes we can do this we will do this maybe not right now but we're going to get this done right and so when you talk about support you can't it can't just be me and you standing around we also have to make sure we engage in that support and that's why i said if it's a, only a single parent if you get an aunt or an uncle that's also complimenting the kid patting him on the right. back they, we just want to be loved we love you but we just don't know how to show it but we do want to be loved so if we just sit there and go like this or don't like to be hugged we like it we do like it <laughs> we do we do like it it feels good it feels good that's, I'm sure there's a lot of parents listening right now who just took some encouragement from that because their two yeah. or three-year-old oh. can't express yeah. that yet. No, no, we do. How can a mother? How can a son not love a mother that does everything for them? How can you not? Now, the son who has autism might not always agree with mother's decisions, and the bitching might go back and forth. But in the end, the kid always comes back to the mom. The kid always comes back to the mom. So. Yes, parents, understand that we love you dearly. We don't know how to say certain things. We just don't. We don't know when the timing's right or if it's wrong, uh, but we do feel it. We do feel it. And if you find the right way, you can get us to admit it. You can get us to admit it. Definitely. No doubt about it. You can say, you do love me, don't you, Justin? And yes, I do. Yes, I do. But you see, you had to pull it out of me. Right, right. <laughs> But, but but I so we do feel more than you think we do. Well, know? so it, it's it's reminding me of my kids in probably the twelve year old range, when uh -huh. when peers are more important than parents, right. and yeah. may not always want to admit how they feel. Um, now my my kids, I was fortunate they 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 always have have just had an open relationship there. But watching other kids at the same time they pulled away a lot during that time and i can kind of see that same type of behavior they they still want it but it's not cool to show it so maybe if we, if we can think of that that this is a younger child who's feeling the same way but they don't know how yeah. to show it not not yeah, that i don't want like, to but i don't know on the how. spectrum or not whether yeah. you're on the spectrum or not i'm sorry i'm still a little boy that doesn't know what, what i'm going through at the age of 12 or 13. right you know, so regardless and then as we get older, we're, we're, we're prone to not listen quite as much to them <laughs> because we feel more dependent. So it is, it's a very difficult, difficult situation, regardless if you're on the spectrum or not. Right. Um, but that's where I think where I'm, I made the mistake because without having a father around, I started making my own decisions. My mom was just like, as long as he's alive and healthy, <laughs> I'm, right? I'm happy. Right. 
as long as he has some direction and he talks to me, I'm happy. So that's where, you know, and I didn't have an uncle around. I didn't have other things around. So it was really me leading the way. And and, and alone at the age of 18, if, if the frontal lobe is just starting to develop. Right. I, I, you know, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't. I didn't know what I was doing. I was doing the best I could with what I thought was going to work. And, and in business-wise, you know, trying to do my own business, and I could stay busy working for somebody, but trying to do my own business, I couldn't. I just... I just didn't conform in the right way to, to because of my autism. Right. Now you were talking about in school when you in younger school um, mm -hmm. that that you you did really well. You, I mean, you you mm -hmm. were excelling in everything. It sounds like. Did you have a lot of friends when you were younger? Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I had friends. Um, part of it was the fact of where I lived, and and I lived in Northern Illinois in a town called Libertyville, and and we were close to everything. The fire department, the bank, the park, the Seven Eleven, where all the Slurpees were, and where the video games came to be. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, and the thing is that the way my brother and I were, we were, we were kind of like people came to our place and they're like, "What do we do?" And then we became the leaders in some cases. Okay. And we determined or helped determine what was going to go on because we also had a big yard. We could play in this yard, you know. So whether it was that that was given to me or just this general drive to be, yeah, I had friends. I had friends on both sides of the tracks, the jocks. The burnouts. I had girlfriends. Prom, non-prom. I had the personality. Like I said, if I spoke metaphorically in the right way, I could talk to this jock, and I could talk to this girl over here. Friends weren't an issue because also too because when you're growing up and you have the good penmanship and you've got a spelling bee, you have other kids looking up to you, and sure. it doesn't matter what you say, right? But I realized it didn't matter what I say. I won the spelling bee, so I had at least five nerds that loved me right. for a while. Right? <laughs> and then I had the respect of certain jocks because if I played sports with them, they go, well, wait a minute. I just thought he could throw the football and be a catcher and a pitcher, but actually he could spell these words. So right. that wasn't a problem. In high school, it wasn't a problem. Having friends in, in high school wasn't a problem. But in high school, my, my problem was where my temper started to come out, where I started like request, I started feeling I just, that if you came within an arm's length of me, I kind of wanted to punch you in the face. I didn't want you near me. I wanted you away from me. Okay. So some space And where issues. do I get that from? You know, where did I get that from? If I was, okay. So if we grow up a nice kid, normal, blah, 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 where'd I get the chances are I got that from mentally or subconsciously going back to those abuse days and saying, mm. you know, if you couldn't trust your father, who can you trust here? Who can't you trust? It's right. a, you know, stuff like that. So that's where happiness started to dissolve. Interest, other interests came along, and but anger also came, uh, came, and I think maybe poor decisions based off of anger, and being thinking I'm independent and I know better. Uh, so once your if your kid is doing excellent up to up to getting out of eighth grade, gets into high school. And it seems like the top has stopped spinning or the, the thread is unwound and there's no other things going on, no other traumatic, dramatic situations and no other lost friendship here. That, then you have to start thinking internally what's going on inside, right? Why right. has this kid gone from excellent? So if we're trying to find tips, signals, et cetera, et cetera, through the ages, why is the kid falling off? I started falling off and I have a ton of talent. I had a ton of talent. I fell off. Why did I fall off? Lack of direction, my own thinking, um, and 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 I think anger issues, et cetera, et cetera. How much of it was it autism related? I don't know. I don't. I can't. You know, I can't define. I can't look back and say it was. But right. I can tell you the problems that I went through at those ages.
Well, okay. I think it's important that, that we keep in mind that no matter what other issues kids are facing, they're still kids. So they're still going to go through the normal stages of Correct. changes through life and the insecurities that come with those different changes Correct. in spite of whether they're visually impaired, hearing impaired, autistic, whatever the issue is, those are just, they're still going to be part of their life. Correct. You look at it, this, I think you know, a good way of looking at it is that if I, I have a hard time coming back to center at times, if you interrupt me or if you change something. So let's say a kid's going along and he's doing well in school and he's, he's staying centered. And all of a sudden something unravels in the car. Like I used to say, the car starts spinning on the snow, starts spinning on the ice. How much does it spin? How long does it spin for? And then when does it recenter itself? When a kid go, we all have normal situations, circumstances growing up, right? Well, what happens with this kid? He gets out of high school and all of a sudden he really unravels. What happened to Justin straight A's up to the age of 13 or 14? And then now it sees D's and then he barely makes it through high school. All these brains and he barely makes it through high school. I was spinning, okay, and I ever centered myself back, okay? So that's the one way I like to look at it is mentally, if you know, we all go through these things, if the kid changes so drastically, I think like in some cases that I did, and there's no other reasons why, then you have to think it could be the spectrum. Right. Okay? Because I, I, can't, I can't come back to center that fast, you know, things have changed too much. Um, again, I'm not a doctor and, and I, I'm only speaking speaking through my own personal circumstances. My beliefs in some cases and how I describe things is some ways, like I said, that way you can understand how I can react. I can, the car spinning metaphor can be done differently in the fact of, let's just say that I'm supposed to pick you up at 4.30 and I'm supposed to take you to grandma's house and I'm supposed to be there at five. And I say, okay, great. I get in the car, I get to your house and you go, we got to stop at the bank. My car started spinning. Now, how fast do I come back to straightening out? Okay. See, now it's, it, we're going to the bank is only this big, but if it was grade school to high school, how fast do I come? Well, we're going to the bank before I, and, okay, we can do that. Because I real, realign my time in my brain and say, okay, it's going to take how long? We'll still be there on time. Okay, come back to, we can do this. And I get normal. Where's your bank? Okay, where's the ATM? Let's go. Boom. Right. You got it. Let's go. We're done. So okay, that's it's it's how we it's those on the spectrum. It's how we come back from certain things and how we're hit and and how we kind of go back to center, realigning ourselves to back what was normal life prior to. So I'm using that as a, my high school experiences. You can use that for your kid in some cases. How long? What's if every other kid wouldn't have an issue and your kid does and there's no other issues underlying, then maybe he's on the spectrum. Maybe he's just right. on the spectrum, okay? I like to use the process of elimination to determine things. And it's okay. that's the way my doctor determined with me. She goes, I tested you for everything. And autism is the only one you fulfill. She goes, you don't fulfill any of this. You fulfill this right here. Process of elimination. So with your kid, and that's the way I used to, when I raised my child, there's usually five, when a kid's crying, they usually need a, one of five things, maybe a couple of them. If you eliminate the eating, the pooping, the whatever, the this or that, you'll find out why your kid is being bothered and then you can go forward and, and correct it. Okay, so we talked earlier about that you were diagnosed as an adult, in fact, just in, in recent years. So what led to your diagnosis? In March of 2013, I my wife filed for divorce with me. 
And one of the main complaints was, you know, I've just never really understood you. I kind of don't still get you, Justin. And so I decided that I'd move out for a little bit, two days. She then decides to stay out. So I then go over to my brother's place and I live with my brother for a while and I'm sitting in his garage and I go, what is my problem, dude? What, what, it, what is it? And he goes, Justin, people like you. He goes, you just don't know how to relate, you know? And, 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 and my, my ex had said the same thing. You just don't know how to relate. And with that being the case, um, that's where, so that occurs and I'm sitting there thinking all the while my ex and my two daughters are look going online trying to you know throw in symptoms and they say hey looks like you might have asperger's a form of autism and they said you know go get tested i go okay so i will so and i got okay. tested so i get divorced i get the filing for divorce in march 2013. i it's then i'm out my brother and, and my ex make that comment my my kids do the research i go see the doctor and in june i'm diagnosed as being on the spectrum so um what led up to it was finding out from someone who was my brother and then from my ex, someone who had lived me, with me for 17 years and I'd known seven prior, I said, okay, these two people know me the best. Right. Um, and so I went and, and like I said, I got tested and I, I've got a mild form. I'm still on it. It's not like I'm real close to falling off it. I'm into it enough, just enough. And, and they have your spouse or companion uh, take the same test with you you i mean not at the same time but they so that way they can compare what your views are compared to what your spouse's right. views are and so i was very similar but we both kind of ended up where yes i'm on the spectrum so that's what led up to my diagnosis um if you want me to move on to the second question is do you, why do i know why it was not recognized earlier uh, because I was good enough to do just about anything except for those quirky things uh, or the non-conforming things in business or, uh, you know, maybe to, like you say, sometimes we get focused on something too much. That, um, there was, that might have shown the science, but, you know, really, why I wasn't recognized earlier, um, because I could do it, there was no science. I could do certain things. I had a job. I could hold a job. I it could work for my brother. I ran my own business for a while. Right. Um, you know, what was the problems? There was no problems except for when I came home. How did I react when I came home? Well, I didn't love the way I should have loved. Okay. Or if okay. we don't know how to show love, I would have a tendency that my, my wife would be in the kitchen and I'd walk by her and I go, I just want to grab her and hold her as I'm walking towards the do the dishes or something. And I'd walk right by her instead of coming back and going, nice to see you and, and grabbing that right. way. Um, my, my response time with my children um, was before I was divorced was, daddy, can you come help? Hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, when my ex told me my problems were is, is we got closer, I got better at it. You know, come on, daddy, when are we gonna? And I'd be like, I'll be right there. But so there was those the ways that I communicated that way and, and how I loved. Uh, like I said, when I would go to work, uh, I didn't realize you have to keep marketing to people to make them remember that you're out there. So I would market once and then I wouldn't get back to them for another year or something, not follow up on anything I'd mm. send out. And uh, Or the other thing would be like I go into the office, always be dressed in painter's clothing, never looking fantastic or anything like that. So how I presented myself. And then 
if someone says, this is how you do business, I'd be like, well, that's not how I want to do business. You know, I wouldn't do anything illegal, I think, but I just wouldn't do it the simple way. And one of the greatest things my father-in-law ever said to me, and I actually kind of related to business, was, you know, kiss, keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple, stupid. We have a tendency, those in the spectrum, to make things more difficult at times. Whether, you know, it's much thought or it's whatever it might be, we have a tendency to make things difficult. So the signs weren't really there. You could have just looked at me as a normal husband who, you know, came home from work, was exhausted, wanted to spend time on his phone, hold on, kids, I want to do this, blah, blah, blah. And there was no difference. There was no way to see it. There was, right. no, I did. there was no way to see it. So that's why I wasn't recognized because it's, you got to hang out with me to realize, you know, whether or not I'm on the spectrum. It's not that. That's the weird thing is there's a lot of us out there that haven't been diagnosed as truly beyond that spectrum. Okay, there's others that have been included on the whole spectrum umbrella, but are they true people on the spectrum? Um, you know, I, I don't know. I know that those things, along with my issues that I have, the way I get real uptight on the inside when it comes to breaking my patterns, my routines, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Don't mess with me in time. You tell me five o'clock, you mean five o'clock. <laughs> okay. Don't don't mess with me. So those issues, those aren't ADHD. Those aren't normal issues. Those are someone that's wired a little differently. Right. And, and they expect things a different way because they're wired that way. So um, that's how you can't tell that I was on the spectrum. You really couldn't. So I, I find it really interesting that your kids and your ex-wife came to that conclusion before you even did the testing. So yeah. So they they, well, they had... wanted to know what the problem was. What 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 could this man exactly? What could the, why is this man the way he is? This does it didn't make sense. So you've got to look for an answer, right? They had right. to look for an answer, and they found it right off the bat. They found exactly what it was right off the bat. What difference did it make when you got an official diagnosis? Uh, a huge difference. Uh, and I would recommend to anybody to get the diagnosis, regardless of age. Uh, for me, it answered so many things when I look back in life of why I did certain things, uh, who I was, what I was all about. Um, the sooner you get the diagnosis in life, the better prepared you will be for the future. Okay. The longer you don't know what you're dealing with, the longer you're not dealing with whatever it is you're dealing with. So the sooner you find out, the better it is. Um, I'd rather know and be prepared than to not know and wonder what the hell's going on. Um, the sooner a person finds out if their son or daughter or child is on the spectrum, the sooner they can take care of, get things in order, the sooner they can find out what the awesome talent or talents are of that child mm-hmm. and focus their life to say, okay, you gotta go do this, but this is where your focus is at. You gotta do this part of school, but this is where your talent is at. So to get, yes, get a diagnosis, get a diagnosis. Even if, if you have to wait on a waiting line, then, then put it on. I would love to be able to find a way that, you know, through, cause I do some pushing. I try to do dealings with some legislation up here, trying to lobby or get others to co-sponsor. And that would be something that I would want them to short is to shorten up the time span of determining if someone's on the spectrum. They say it takes months or years. Sometimes you're on a waiting list. Wow. Get on the waiting list, keep on looking for other places, get on their waiting list, uh, look to the government, look to ways of funding resource resources. Uh, if not the government, then there may be a, a nice website that is centrally located that has a lot of these resources uh, of that nature. So 
yes, I would say, uh, what difference did it make? It answers a lot of questions. It gives you direction. Okay. Right. And it allows you to know what to improve for me. It helped me realize what I was doing wrong. Um, so uh, it makes a huge amount of difference to answer, to answer that question. Well, Get it. And along with that, how unusual is it for someone not to be diagnosed until they're older? Autism on the Rain Man side is a lot easier to see than, say, someone else who's kind of caught and lost. I think it's very, it, it's, it, there's more out there than you, than you, than you know of people like us on the spectrum. They could be 26, they could be 36, they could be 56. Um, if you're living to be 50, you learn how to hide certain things. You learn how to get around life and its ways and manners and how to, if you don't want to be seen doing something weird, then you know how not to do it. Like, I don't want to walk the curb in front of a huge crowd at a parade, but I'll walk the curb to my neighbor. So one of the things my therapist told me when I said, well, she said, how did you face these issues when you were younger growing up? I said, well, I just grew up and approached them and attacked them. And I solved them as I came along. She goes, well, you adapted quite well. That's how those like me on the spectrum, uh, where you can't really tell because we learn how to adapt quite well. We're smart enough to learn how to adapt quite well, but we're also saying, you know, we're who we are. We're not perfect. And, and this is, we're going to still kind of stay this way, so to speak. And so I'm very aware of certain things and want to change certain things too, right. whether it be for myself, because I want, I learned from being married how to stay married. And then I learned from the divorce what I did wrong being married. Mm. And I'm learning to change those things because if I move on a relationship, I don't want to end up the same way I did being married doing the same things. Right. We as men, sorry, have a hard time. I, we have a tendency. We mature a lot slower than <laughs> women do through life. If I can put it that way without scolding the men too much. <laughs> Okay. And we'll just keep it that we'll move on to the next question. So that's why you can't see it because okay. we, we get to a certain level, we adapt, we get to a certain level. And if our spouse or wives just tolerate who we are, True. there's no problem. There's, what's the issue? Right. Right. That's the issue. So, okay. So, so with that, what changes have you made since you were diagnosed? Since I was diagnosed, I've learned to communicate, first of all, to communicate better, which is one of our huge issues that we have. It's, it's, it's communication, expressing more, um, trying to, instead of uh, resolving issues as quick as possible with your spouse, companion, friend, don't allow it just to sit there and fester and then a new one come up and then you've got two issues to deal with. Cause then what you do is you have an ongoing thing going. So communication. I demand it now. If there's a problem, let's talk about it. If we're too angry to talk about it right now, it's got to be talked about tomorrow morning, but it has to be resolved. We don't just sweep it under the carpet and say, okay, right. I'm going to get used to it. I'm not going to do that. So I changed that. I learned how to, by watching, I did a couple things. I learned how to be more sympathetic and have more empathy for others. I used to be the kind of person where someone would say, okay, well, such and such did this. And I'd be like, well, how can we fix it? where I should have said, are they okay? You know, uh, do uh, is everything all right? And then how can I help instead of just, how can we fix it? Right. Or, you know, oh, oh, you did this? Well, just get over it, who cares? That used to be my attitude. I go, it's not a big enough thing in life to worry about. Now, now I actually give it a little bit more, give a little more credence to whatever someone's issues might be, okay? Because okay. I have to realize what are they thinking? And it doesn't matter, Justin, sometimes if you don't believe them, 
if you want to understand them, you have to listen to what they're thinking. So I changed my communication. Um, I've, I've started watching the, the undercover boss TV show a little bit, uh, because what I liked was seeing what I thought was true human reaction to being gifted or given something when they had nothing by another human being. Mm. Okay. That helped a lot. But then there was this one thing that got me that just made me cry, made me cry. Um, and it was, um, it was a, a kid named Sam Tagelson. He's out of California. And he was, when I, this was going, this is like 2014, 2015, he had a heart condition, contacted Make-A-Wish Foundation and said, I listen, I just want to, I want to play with the San Jose Sharks. Okay. The hockey team out there. So they hooked up this whole thing. They set it up. They had him sign a contract for a day. Okay. Oh, nice. I'm watching this and hopefully I won't get too choked up. I usually kind of get choked up or a little bit water. Right. Signing the contract, going out, skating with the guys. Them all tap into sticks. And when he has a chance, he's sitting there and he gets off the ice and he's crying, holding his hands up, saying thank you to everybody. I mean, I lost it. And even now when I think about it, I lose it. He helped me cry. He helped me learn how to cry. He was a man that was disabled. He was a person with a hidden disability, a 19-year-old kid with a heart condition. Mm-hmm. And I just was like, I just, I bawled, I bawled, and I bawled. It was just so much, um, but it helped me so much. And I actually finally reached out to him. We haven't talked yet, but I reached out to him uh, via Twitter. And I said, you made a difference in my life. I'd love to have a chance to speak with you. Now, I still think he's a, he's, his life's, he's still alive. His life's doing, I think, kind of well. He still loves hockey. I haven't pestered him or nothing like that, but I still want to thank him personally. I did thank him through Twitter, but I want to be able to do something like this and thank yeah. him. So, those were the main things that I learned was how to communicate better, how to understand that people do feel and that your answers, you know, just it, that answer isn't necessarily the answer. It's, it's make sure they're okay first. Right. Um, and, and that's where it changed me the most. I still am a stickler for time, uh, you know, but now if you're hurt, I'll give you a little extra time. <laughs> um, and I'm learning how with living with a girlfriend and her, spontaneity i'm learning how to deal <laughs> with with my own patience inside i'm now understanding my patience in and how not to do the spinning at times or adjust better uh, explain what's going on um so that's what the greatest benefits that have come out of me now i might remember in the future and maybe have to send you a note later and say <laughs> plus this plus this but those were huge for me i, I could and, see where knowing now what some of the triggers are, what some of the the natural responses are for you that may not fit in socially with the next person. If you can understand that, then you can have that talk with your girlfriend where she can understand right. too that it, it isn't that you're trying to push her away. You just you just need this to be in place for it to be right now. And Correct. without knowing that, you can't tell that. No, and you know, it's, what she's been the most patient person I've dealt with. She's been a girlfriend of five years, I, you know, a heart of gold, extremely patient. She's taught me patience with her own flaws, but uh, we all have them, me too. Um, so, and I, and I love her to death for the fact of that she's tolerated me and, and learning how to accommodate me. And like they always say, the, 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 the neurotypicals have to learn how to accommodate the non-neurotypicals. Okay, but we should also, if we have the capability, also learn to understand the neurotypicals better and, and appreciate yeah. them as well. So, you know, 
a lot of us have the capability. A lot of us want to be better, do better. We just sometimes don't know how to do it. You know, I want to be a better human being. So how do you do that? By showing more sympathy and more empathy. Um, and you know what? It's all worth it. I feel better for doing it. So I was missing out on the good feelings because, you know, these are good feelings of tears. These are the good stresses in some cases that I'm enjoying. Okay. Um, and if they're bad stress, it's still at least, you know, if I can come up with then, if I used, to, I, used to, I used to be a handyman, I used to solve problems. So if someone's got a problem, I'll comfort them better. And then I'm going to solve your problem. No, I'm still going to solve your problem. So, um, yeah, that's, that's it in a nutshell. All right. So I'm going to change gears a little bit here. We talked yeah. earlier about, cause, cause we've kind of hit on some different advice as we've gone through. And I don't, yeah. I don't know if we can remember to recall all of them right now or not, but what advice comes to mind that you would give parents of young children who have recently been diagnosed with autism? The first thought that always comes to mind is find their talents. Find the talent, okay? Because then you can pursue whatever it is they're supposed to be. He'll still have to take science. He'll still have to take history or she will or whatever. But once you find what that talent might be or what the capabilities might be, you might then know where to place that child. I could have been placed at a gifted thing at the age of six, seven, or eight. I just stayed at normal school. I probably could have gone gifted where I would have been maybe enhanced, not as bored, et cetera, et cetera. So the first thing is, is find their talents. If you can afford an assessment test of some sort, find out what they're going to be good at. Okay. That's the first thing I would say, whether they're four or whether they're 12, definitely do that. That's, that's the thing. Number two is understand that your child uh, the child's fears are greater than your understanding and that your mm -hmm. child's anxieties are greater than you think might be a normal level of anxiety, fear, etc. As much as we're convicted on some of our beliefs and what we think, uh, we have our huge insecurities as well. Support and positive support. I guess those are the three main yeah. things that, that I would say the first things I can only state so many. A doctor might say, okay, get evaluated, you know, but the doctor is going to say, make sure that find the plan, evaluate, assess, evaluate, right? You know where I'm coming from. You were a teacher right. before, so you know that there's a... But I find yeah. that of the people that I've interviewed so far, whether they were the older kids or adults, the advice that all of you are giving me, I think is better than what I would get from a doctor because you, you're living this life. You've, you've right. experienced it and you can speak from a point of experience and that's different Correct. than a textbook. Correct. So, I've actually, you know, I, you made me remind, remind myself of something. Right around fifth grade, I started batching my life into four to five year periods because it was what I was used to from school. So fifth through eighth, I remember I'd have fears. And when I was going into high school, I'd have fears. And then when I came out of high school, ready to go to college, I'd have fears. Not the fears we all have but other fears of not seeing my future because it's not structurally black and white right now, right. not seeing it. So the fears, they came, they came as I looked forward for the next set of four to five years. Interesting. Okay? And, 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 and that is one of those things, like I said, where the fears come in and the angst, and like I said, the underlying anxieties, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah. Well, I'm glad you're kind of getting, I'm glad you like that perspective because it, it, it's, it's the true perspective. I don't know. Other people have different fears. You can meet someone else on the spectrum and, and, and they freak out if there's too much thing going on. I don't really right. freak out if there's too much going on. I can go to a loud rock concert. I can do certain things, but I do have a thing where I, I can't stand tearing of paper around me. It's like, shh, don't, 
don't tear the paper. I can open up the envelope. <laughs> but when my girlfriend tears her receipts, I go, shut up, stop it. You know, so I have these little, little ones. I've learned to adapt. Right. But I've got these little pet peeves. Um, well, that, so, it, it would be similar to people hearing nails on a chalkboard. Yeah. Yeah. That's easy. You know, yeah. That's easy. But, but for someone else, it's not, it's not easy. For them. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah. I mean, we, we do have our, le- and we have levels of sensitivities to certain things right. as well. I mean, I can tolerate a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff. Cause I could in some cases I've seen a lot of stuff, but, uh, yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So what, what advice would you give to children? Maybe, maybe they're a little bit older and they've been diagnosed maybe for years or they've just gotten diagnosed, but they're getting to the point where they're more aware of what's happening now. Um, any ad- advice for them as far as knowing how to kind of adjust and, and, and get along and make friends and all, you have any advice for those kids? If a child or if someone was diagnosed right now, whether it was 12, 13, 14, 18, 20, whatever, my first thing is don't shut up, communicate more to get more. If you think you need to ask for the support. Okay. Too many people in some cases, your mom's going to always ask and wonder those who are just diagnosed at the moment. Um, you kind of have to ask for what you need. Okay. Um, be expressive. Um, and then remember another thing, there's really nothing wrong with you because remember nobody's perfect here. Okay. So there's nothing wrong with you. And just because you might not be good at this doesn't mean you're not good at the rest of parts of life and living the rest of parts of life. I'm pretty good at living life, except for I have a hard time running my own business at times or sometimes say the wrong words, but I'm not a failure, not a total failure, nothing like that. So, you know, and, and, and again, once, if, if you're a child at the age of 12 or 13 and you don't know what you want to do, find a way to figure out what you do want to do and find the happy part of what you want to do and make it the productive part because you need to find that in life in order to succeed no matter what. So find something that'll make that pay for things, make sure it's happy um, and be open about it. And I think that's the, the greatest thing is those on the spectrum need to be open about what they need. When I first found your information, I found that you have a business called ASD with me. What is that? Tell, 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 tell me about that. ASD with me was started in 2019 uh, when I was talking with my therapist and I realized that, that as, as much as I liked helping people as a handyman, uh, I thought I had might have a way to relate to other people on the spectrum. And so I actually sat in at a, a, a group, a support group, and found out that I was able to get breakthroughs with a couple of, of the people in, in that room. That along with some of the volunteer work I had done, I said, listen, I just want to help people. Okay. And she, you know, so I basically started a business after I realized that how can somebody walk into a room, sit down with a group of 10 or 12, 18 to 30 year olds, listen to two of them, have no degree and figure out, but get the guy to break through. What did I, do? I either made the person feel comfortable. I asked the right questions or I just knew how to relate in some way that all clicked. And I just said, okay, I want to do this. I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to help people. And I was for handyman for almost 30 years, but I'm supposed to help people. You know, and the point thing is, is that, so I decided then to, to start ASD with me. I went out and I got training to become a BCAT, which is a board certified autism technician, okay. um, which is kind of like an RBT, uh, registered behavior technician, but it's got more of the focus. And I had to learn more about being on the spectrum. 
Um, so that I basically incorporated that. I, I, I did that to get a title to get some respect because it's pretty much Justin Husek, no PhD, no nothing. It's just some dude. Um, so that's basically, that's what it was. I put myself out there and then I just started to reach out and make people aware. I really started was I said, listen, I'm, I, I have an ID decal system I'd like to do for vehicles. Okay. To, for first responders and those on the spectrum. All right. So I started doing that and I produced something like that. And then I ran into some, well, I started doing that and then I started meeting up or with the first responders, giving them that card. And then I started reaching out to the police forces. So up here, there's a five county area and about 2 million people, uh, maybe three total with the city of Chicago. So I reached out to the police officers and said, hey, listen, uh, we need CIT training for police officers. CIT training is cr uh, crisis intervention training. Okay. Especially for those that are on the spectrum. So I saw the need for that. So I reached out to the communities. 170 police chiefs and then reached out to the mayors 170 mayors and said listen this make sure your community has this it's a lawsuit in the waiting if you don't so that's what kind of fueled me and got me going and rolling along to pick up steam in order for me to uh, become an advocate and speak up for and so i did with the first responders i then was able to go through uh i, I uh, contacted a senator up here who's trying to pass legislation which would provide a voluntary database for those with invisible disabilities to those first responders and allow them to see what the issues could be with this person. Um, and so I contacted our state senators and pushed that along, got more sponsors to sign on. Nice. So I, my objective is to be the voice up here in Northern Illinois. I find that, that you know, or a, a, like a central locale of, if not, you know, I, I am here to serve those on the spectrum in any way, shape, or form that I can. And I will do it through mentoring, consulting, talking to a parent, speaking in front of people for first responding. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. That is what ASD with me does is it speaks up for those on the spectrum. It will also speak up for, for those with invisible disabilities, obviously, uh, because you, there are co, I don't want to call them comorbidities, but Sometimes the person on the spectrum is hard of hearing. Sometimes he, you know, needs certain technical, so, right. so on and so on. Excuse me. So, uh, in a nutshell, again, I like to use the word nutshell. That um, that's pretty much what ASD uh, with me is about. Uh, basically, in general. I so guess. it's more than just working one on one with a client. You're doing more yes, than it, that. Yes, yes, I, I do have a few clients um, that I'm mentoring right now. One of them is down in lower Illinois, uh, so it's not a lot of seeing him. It's more uh, being there for him, being a friend and, and kind of texting him at times, talk if he wants to talk. He doesn't want to talk too much. I have other ones that were one of the guys, I kind of just do what he wants to do. Uh, we do it once or twice a month. Okay. I have another guy, you know, so I, I, I do the mentoring as well. I do that, and I kind of fit. My objective when I do that is to see if we fit, then try to pull things out of them that they haven't done before if possible, even if it's minor advancements. Also then enlighten the parents to what the kid's feeling, why he doesn't want to do things, why he does, how he responded. I try to bring out, like I said, the things when I mentor the people, the kids, the clients, I try to bring out, let them do what they want to do, bring it out, do it with them a lot. But then if I want something done, 
I get to ask for something a little bit later. So I'll do four things with you, but then if I want to do something, we do the fifth thing with me. Okay. So it's not, you know, I'll give. And in time, as they trust things go one-on-one, they should become one-on-one if he's growing and I'm, so yeah, I'll push on my own to do legislate, looking for legislation I can support, which is what I'm working on now. Um, I do my mentoring. Consulting is more of like, like the life coaching in which I mentor the kid, but I life coach the parent. Right. I can tell the parent how a kid feels, when he feels it. I can tell the parent when they should stop pushing the kid because he's starting to lose it internally. I can tell the parent in some cases, I just did this yesterday, okay? Here's something I did. I told a parent to stop. I, and I, I'd never have done this. I said, Mom, please stop. And she's, I'm like, you're, you're frustrating him. And she's like, I'm just trying to, I go, I understand what you're trying to do. I go, and I'm not trying to be out of line. I go, but right now he's, and, she's, and, the, and the kid goes, Mom, I'm frustrated. Please stop. So she stopped. Here's the other thing. So, you know, I didn't want to be out of line. He, this kid was telling a story about a person. And I had my head down and I'm listening to tell the story about this person. And he says an expression and I look up to him and I said, that's the first time you've ever had that thought in your brain, isn't it? And what it was, was that he wanted to make me something earlier, 20 minutes ago, 20 minutes earlier. He goes, I want to make you something. What are your favorite colors? So he was thinking about making something for me. And he was thinking about making something for his mom. 20 minutes later, I could tell you, I put my head down. He's trying to say something and he's stammering through these words. And I go, and I said to him, I go, he goes, I think I'm going to make this person the same thing I'm going to make you guys. And I go, was that the first, I go, you just thought of that just two minutes ago, not 20 minutes ago, when you were talking about making it for me and making it for your mother. I go, you just thought of that, didn't you? And he's like, yeah. And the mom's like, how do you tell? I go, because he'd never said it before. But the way he stammered through, you could tell, once he finished, it was the first time he'd ever thought of it. I was able to determine that it was, he had never thought of it until that moment because I listened to how he communicated, right? Right. How he communicated that I'm going to make it for this person as well. Now, to some, that might not mean anything. To me, if I can sit there with my head down, listen to the kids speak and say, this is the first time he's ever thought this and now he's saying it. I think I know something I could, because I've stammered through things before right. and it was a brand new thing that I've never, and for us, for us to state something brand new, you know, most of the time you hear, hear them describing this person the same way, the same way, the same way. They start to grow when you hear a new sentence come out of them about that person. Mm-hmm. And that's what this kid did was he had a first thought of it and goes, I'm going to make it for this person. When we went back to signal signs, ways I can help a parent. I know mentally, in many cases, I'm not perfect, but I think I know the degrees of the intensity, what's bothering us, whatever you just did, why it bothered us, why we unravel at times. I'm pretty good at that. And I've been able to do it with the same people I'm telling you with saying, this is why this happened. And if she didn't do this, this never would happen. They're like, really? I'm like, yeah, I guarantee you it. And I go, go ask. And that's exactly what the answer would be. It's exactly what I said. So I'm not perfect. And, and it all depends on this person, the, the, the client's willingness to talk. Okay. I could have said, I could have asked him over and over. You just thought of this. If you never answered me, I never know. Right. But I right. pulled it out of him and said, come on. Because I think he also realized 
that things will change or things will do if he makes if he makes it makes us aware of it that he wants to do this. Otherwise, he's not going to get done. You know, you don't state it. We can't read. Your, well, you can't read your mind. But so, but yeah. So back to um, a benefit, and that kind of goes along with you said. Describe a typical appointment or a session. Sometimes I'll pick up a kid from school, take him home, sit with them, talk. Sometimes I will go take a kid, BB gun, you know, out in the field, shooting or something like that. Um, sometimes I sit there with their doctor, tell them what I'm doing, make sure I'm in line, talk with the parents with the doctor. Um, every time I, those are most of what my sessions can be about. The objective is to um, have the person grow, develop, make life happier, easier inside that home. Okay. Right. So describe a typical appointment or session. They vary. Um, sometimes I'll sit there one hour with the kid, then I'll do an hour with the parents saying, okay, I've evaluated this, blah, 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 blah. Here's what I see going on. Um, oftentimes when it comes to um, what I like to do is like, if someone's introducing, if they want me to meet somebody, I, We'll sit there and spend an hour talking with the parents and maybe even with the person that's on the spectrum. Okay, a phone call, Zoom meeting, whatever. Then if they like me, I'll spend another hour with another call or whatever with them. Determining, getting to know them better, saying, okay, this is what I'm finding. Do you agree? Then what I do is I say, okay, listen, I can move forward. And from this point, and that's actually where I start to, actually the charges start to come in, start to become appropriate or whatever. So what I try to do is give two to three hours of basically making sure that I know what's going on, that it's a perfect fit for us. I then write things up and say, this is my proposal. This is what I plan on doing. This is how I want to get things done. Right. Okay. So that's how, so how a session goes was how a certain session goes. How I meet and propose certain things to, to these people um, is that way. If someone says, my kid is, you know, let's say out of this, we get someone that communicates with me and say, listen, I'm doing things well, but what are your thoughts on such and such? How do I have them stop reacting this way? You know, I can kind of give you an initial thing, but if I don't know that child in his daily life or what he kind of is used to doing, then I can't really totally evaluate it. Right. But I can sit there and say, this, from my experiences, this is what helped me. This is what didn't work. Um, and I'm a man who has taught from my failures, which I think sometimes are better than teaching from successes. Uh, when you get hit the bottom, you've got to learn how to get way up here. Instead of just arriving here, Sometimes you be here, you have to learn your way back to the top. So I learn from my mistakes. That's how I mentor is from my mistakes. So that my objective, and my objective isn't for me to, to be still teaching this kid X amount of years from now. I want that child or person independent, right. but I'll always be there if they ever need something, you know? So, you know, that's my objective is to, to and also to see what, what do the parents want? What do they want out of this? And then how can I help them achieve that? That's the, you know, that's kind of, I know I'm kind of asking some of the questions that are on there uh, that we kind of talked about, um, but that's how the session goes, how they get in, you know, and, and yeah, how, how do the clients get in touch with you? Uh, if I was a better marketer, I'd have more ways of describing how to well, get if, in touch with me. Yeah, what, why don't, why don't we word it this way? If someone, if someone that's listening to this wants to get in touch with you. Do they go through your website? How do they how do they get in touch with you? You could do it through my website, um, asdwithme.com. 
you could do it. You could uh, email me directly at Justin Husek, J-U-S-T-I-N-H-O-U-C-E-K at ASDwithme.com. Uh, I also have a LinkedIn profile in which if there's some business people that want to see, um, you know, whatever on there, there's that possibility. Um, and I can be contacted by phone, 847-721-6217. Uh, but I prefer if you're going to call me to text me first, uh, because that way I can then tell you what I can guarantee you whatever time you need. Instead of just trying to give you what you need at the moment you call on me, and I might be in the middle of who knows what. Why don't, why don't we do this? Why don't we put in the show notes your email and the website and not the phone number? Yeah. And have them email you first. Yeah, because the phone number is going to come up on the website anyways. Right. It oh, really is. But, you know, I'd rather, it, it's best for them to see the website so they can get to know me and then say, okay, I'll call this guy. Instead of just calling the guy and I go, ah, but yeah. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. what we'll do then is, is let's just put the website on. So that'll send everyone right to the website. Good. And yeah. that way they, they see kind of your bio and a little bit there too to reinforce yeah. what they've heard on here. And then, right. then they can get in touch with you that way. Right. I mean, it, it, right. it was how I got in touch with you was through through your website. Okay. So Because I had okay. used the form that's on your website. Got it. Yeah, and that's the way it came through was, was straight through that way. That's perfect, Yeah. actually. So, well, because I, I, I don't want to... I, I don't want to advertise a personal contact for you that a spam robot might misuse. So, okay. so if we send it to the website, then you're just getting the same traffic that you're getting okay. already with that. Pardon my ignorance. So, thank you for uh, that. Thank you. I was, did not know that. It's perfect. It's, it's good to know. It, it, I, I, I can't control your website, but I, but I can control mine a little bit. So <laughs> if I do it okay. that way. <laughs> right. Exactly. Um, well, I think we, I think we've gotten yeah. through our main questions, haven't we? Are we in the speed round now? Uh, hold on. How do clients get in touch with you? How often do you meet with a client? How long are the sessions? Um, yeah, that, yeah. Do that part. Yeah, I, basically, I, I, it's upon their needs. And the thing is, is that I can, there's three ways to, to, that I do this. You can text me for a little bit. You can contact me on the phone, or I go and I visit and or do a Zoom thing. And and and. Each one can be kind of done differently, but what I find is that it's upon when they want to do it. You know, I try to maintain the schedule uh, maybe once or twice a month, um, sometimes more. It all depends on the client's needs and, and if they're in a rough spot or not. Sometimes the one that goes out and shoots the BB gun wants to go every week, but the one that wants to do this or do that just wants me to be there once or twice a month. So it varies on their needs and the ways of communication I've had one client, the guy that lives further south from here, he calls me when he feels rattled. I I sorry, he texts me because he never really calls me when he feels rattled or anxious. Right. I text him back and I distract him and things are better. So in some cases, that's all that's needed with me. Now, if we were to, you know, I don't want to, that's all that's needed with me. So, you know, it can work out in different ways. So we talked early on about that single mom who doesn't have the extra support and the importance of bringing in the, the mm -hmm. uncle or someone to help her support that child. This right. is that next level of support as they're getting out on their own. Now you're able to be that mentor type support Correct. to them as well, which Correct. I think is great because cause this sounds like these are young adults now and even, even older adults who have transitioned into they're on their own now, but they may right. need some extra support 
with someone to help them, whether they're in the job or a social setting or something to, right. to be more independent. Right. Right. I, you know, I was titled by somebody, you know, I gave all those things titled, uh, life coach, mentor, blah, blah, blah. Uh, one client had ref referred to me as a facilitator. Okay. That especially if you're out of town or you need something done up here and you live down here, how do you get something done for your child that may live up here? And I've got a call client now that I'm mentoring, which they're moving and I've got to make his transition a smooth one. Okay. okay? He will have a job coach, but I do, you know, how I'm going to be the mentor guy. So in some cases I can do that for someone. Someone says, listen, I'm just too busy to do this. Can you help me find, or can you speak with, or if I need someone that can stand up with me, that's what I try to do. I could be a liaison, you know, in Florida, what they want to do. I don't know if you know what this law in Florida, it's either a law or it's going to become a law in which anyone on the spectrum, if they're pulled in by the police, have to have a liaison there oh. before the police can, can question them because nice. Okay, and remember, I'm a first responder advocate for, so I totally respect the police as well. All I want is for the smoothest movement between those right. on the spectrum. So, um, you know, different titles, different uh, things to do, um, different ways of doing it. But yes, I will, um, if someone comes to me and says, I, my 13-year-old this, or my 18-year-old that, or my 22-year-old this, what are your thoughts? I'll do whatever I can, you know. So parents that are listening, if you have a child who's in the area of Illinois and you don't live there, this is an, a resource you could plug into as far as having, hiring him to come in and to, to step in to help where you can't be physically right now to, to, to just check Correct. in even on your, on your child as, as they're becoming more independent. Exactly. I think, exactly. I think it's great. I, I love what you're doing too with the advocacy and trying to help with the first responders, helping to make sure that they're not that the that they're not being misunderstood when they're picked up, that Correct. that they have a chance to to be who they are, but yet to not be misunderstood in the process and and judged well, and think about it, too, it could be an it could be an invisible disability that like a deafness or blind in the one eye the cop can't see, or maybe it's dysgraphia of some sort can't yep. read can't understand right so right. There's right these invisible disabilities, and, and you know, and the other thing is, is you know, I always said to first responders, I think you know, look at it this way, and this is getting real technical. Imagine a first responder who came about somebody who totally just flipped out because they're diabetic and they had a diabetic seizure, right? right. Diabetes is invisible disability, yeah. and if you had the wrong sugar levels, so even then. I mean, I can't stand up for everything invisible. <laughs> I know only certain topics, but when you want to get down to the nitty gritty, there's a lot more invisible disabilities out there that, you know, we can't see that do limit some of us in doing yeah. certain things. You know, we all. had touched on invisible disabilities in episode five, I believe it was. And then um, even today's topic that we're talking about, this is an invisible disability. In your totally. case, especially, no one's going to suspect meeting you that you have autism. Yeah. That's, that's going to be the yeah. furthest thing from, from their mind. Yeah. Um, but it's there and it's, you know, and then we have some others coming on in the, in the next weeks who are going to come in that same category. And I really feel like we really need to, to be aware that these disabilities are out there and they're misunderstood. Yes. Like, like in episode five, when my son shared his story, he was misunderstood as a kid because no one recognized there was something going on and he couldn't explain it. And so he's being, being judged and, and mistreated a little bit, but then, um, but then we have others, like you were saying, the medical issues, 
the you know you, you no no one's wearing a sign all over them saying hey hey I, I have this you know <laughs> right, right 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 we would all exactly. have billboards on our heads so. right well I, I think about it think of it you had a kid on the spectrum that had diabetes as well and that had a yeah. bad experience with diabetes that kid's going to be pulled in because and they're going to think he's on LSD or something right and, and you know and that's what I when I did some of my presentations in front of the first responders I said. First of all, I go, you know, look at our eyes. You're always, you know, our eyes are supposed to give us evidence of whether or not, you know, we're on drugs or not. Ask us if we're on any medication, okay? And and then be, if you can do that, you know, you can eliminate a few things and say, okay, are you on the spectrum, okay? Or do you have an invisible disability that you should be making me aware of? Right. Maybe that becomes, you know, a better way of things being handled. Um, but there's so many of them out there. We don't want to use it as a crutch right okay i don't i don't want my my invisibility is not a crutch for me yeah. my invisibility is something that uh, it's given me the purpose to to broaden the understanding i that really like the teaching first responders to ask the question do you have a dis an invisible disability that right. i need to know about just that right. simple question triggers Correct. the person they're talking to oh yeah wait i was supposed to say this and right. and i didn't right. think about saying it right you right it, yeah it's the, the one thing, the, the funny thing is, and, and I can finish up with this, is that when I did the presentation with the first responders, I said, I want to show you the similarities between me being on the spectrum and you being a first responder. And I listed, and I wish I had the list right, right over here somewhere, the stress, the anxiety, the desire not to want to be there, the desire to want to be home doing whatever. And I listed off, and I'm sorry, I can't remember the five or six of them. And I go, what's the difference between you, Mr. Officer, and me? I go, when the when when we meet, we're feeling the same thing. We need to understand that. So, um, yeah, it's and I'm not there to try to tell them what to do. I'm just trying to tell them to, to give them a better idea of how to understand right. why I might not look at them all the time when they're asking me to look at them, you know, at mm -hmm. the side window here, and I'm drifting off right this way, right? Yeah. It's not I'm on drugs, officer. It's just that I'm on the spectrum, and I can't always make eye contact right right all right well this is this has been really interesting and I, I i'd love to continue talking more maybe down the road and and regroup again and see see if we've had some comments coming in from parents um those that are listening and watching this on youtube even if you have specific questions drop them in the comments so that we can start collecting those questions or send them send them through instagram or through email and we'll we'll put them all together and see if maybe we can can come back again with Justin in the future and talk through some more of these questions. I think I think he's giving us a good perspective that that I can't give you personally, but he's been very willing to come on and and to open his life for us. And I, I really appreciate it, Justin, with you coming in to do this. <laughs> it's been it's been my pleasure. I would love to do it again. I, I do hope that you know my objective is that if I can just change a couple of people, enlighten them to you know whether it's through this what we're doing here or further down the road, um, you know. That's just what I want to do. I want people to understand us better. Um, and it'll make you for a happier life. That I guarantee. Once you understand us better and we understand you, it's a much happier life. Yeah. I guarantee it. All right. So we've gotten really serious here. And I'm going to change the mood completely because okay, now it's time for the speed round. <laughs> yes. And um, have you have you seen any of the episodes with the speed round yet? I I no, I'm I'm ready to go. So hit okay. me with your best shot, and I'll do the best I can. All right. So for Justin and those who haven't watched any of the episodes yet, the speed round is a series of ten questions. 
The first three questions are open-ended questions. There'll just be a prompt and you just give the first thing that, that you think of. And the last seven questions are either or questions. I'll give you either two words or two phrases and you choose which one. If you're stuck, you can always say pass or both or make up a new okay. answer that I didn't give you. But ideally, it'll be one of the two of them. But um, I don't know if okay. anyone has gone through the entire list and followed all the directions yet. So. <laughs> all right. So the first three questions, open-ended. What's your favorite color? I'd say probably blue, boring blue. Okay. Hey, it's not blue. It's not boring. It's, it's mine as well. So <laughs> what's the last book that you read? The last fiction book I read was um, uh, The Da Vinci Code. Okay, good. I, actually, but I don't I, read. I don't read. And I've always said if I read, I, I'd be wicked yeah. mentally if I read. I don't read. Ugh. As so, smart as you yeah. are, you probably would be. <laughs> I was, um, I'm, I'm, yes, I'd be wicked. Um, I, what's yeah, your... that was, that's the last book I'd say I read. Okay. What's your favorite holiday? <sighs> These are supposed to be easy. Come on. <laughs> uh, it should be easy, but, but here's the thing. It should be easy, but, but as I've gotten older, I don't have favorite anything anymore. I just enjoy the grander things of life. What's my favorite holiday? Um, wow. I don't have one. March, April, May. Uh, oh, um, Memorial Day. All right. Thank you. You're the first one who has not said either Thanksgiving or Christmas. So. You know why? Because fighting is always done on those holidays. Oh, <laughs> I figured we had to have someone come up with a different holiday soon. So thank you. I appreciate you adding something, something different. My, my chart's going to be really small so far on that one. So. And that little yeah, dot over exactly. here. Exactly. That's Justin. You yeah. are an outlier right now, but we'll see if others start joining you over there. Right. Okay. Yeah, let's see. Okay. So now we the last seven will be our either or. So the first one of okay. those is cake or ice cream. Ah, <laughs> ice cream, ice cream. All right. So Batman or Superman? Batman. Oh, you, you knew that one right off. <laughs> so, Real fast. Ocean or mountains? Both. Cause I got both. Okay. Lake Tahoe is the place to be. There's water and mountains. Right. Both. There you go. Okay. We, we, we can count that winter or summer. Summer. A watch a movie or read a book. Movie, I guess. Okay. Um, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings. Oh, please neither but harry potter <laughs> okay. neither but harry potter and twitter or instagram actually i don't have an instagram account i've only got a twitter account i barely use so twitter so twitter so justin thank you for coming on today we really appreciate what you've shared with us and just being so open about your life and um and just giving us such a, a nice perspective of what we might be able to understand with some of the kids that that, that we meet so I, I appreciate you coming on the show well, you're welcome, Tonya. I really appreciate it. And, uh, uh, thank you for having me on. It's been a pleasure. I've had a, a great time. Um, and yeah, and if I can help anybody, it'd be awesome. Thank you. And um, and I want you to keep us posted on some some of the advocacy work that you're doing, and we can we can try and give give some updates along the way too. Sure, most definitely. All right, most great. Definitely. Well, thank you. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed hearing about what Justin is doing with ASD with me by advocating for individuals with invisible disabilities when he works with first responders and how he's mentoring others who are on the spectrum. Next week, Tonya will speak with the executive director of the Arc of the Triangle. Be sure to tune in for episode 12 to learn about this valuable resource for individuals who have autism, Down syndrome, cerebral palsy, and other intellectual and developmental disabilities.
You've been listening to the Water Prairie Chronicles. Any resources mentioned during this episode will be posted in the description. If you're interested in joining us as a guest, contact us through the links in the description below. Be sure to subscribe and share it with your friends. We appreciate your support as we build this resource. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you next week for a new episode.